You're listening to The Deranged Nation, a true crime podcast featuring New York Times bestselling paranormal romance author and your host, Teresa Gableman. Welcome to Deranged Nation, take 45. Yeah. It's a hard time getting started. Yeah, we are. Yeah, but we're here. Welcome back uh, for the fourth or fifth time. Yeah. So how's everybody's week? Good. Good? Good. Rainy? Yeah, we've got a lot of rain. It was nice for a couple days. Yeah, and then monsoon puddles everywhere. But um, pretty excited. We got some fast internet now. Yeah. So that's some news. (laughs) Yeah. It has. All right, guys, we're on episode 13, A Parent's Nightmare. Um, Larry Jean Bell, total asshole. Definitely an yeah, asshole. This guy was a dick. He was a, he was a true dick. Yeah. and He deserved what he got. Yeah, definitely deserved what he got. But before we start, real quick, um, there's been... We, we are in Ohio, and there's been some... A lot of missing girls about the same age, between 16 and 19, 20 years old. And one that really um, struck me, because I seen her mom, and being a mom myself, but just being a human being, um, just to see this mom's pain, it was really hard. Um, but I posted on, I don't know if, if you guys are Facebook friends with me, but I posted you know, for shares. And I think I had, I haven't looked lately, but I think I had like over 46 shares, um, for people to be on the lookout. So I am going to mention it here. Uh, they still haven't found her. She's been missing since five seventeen, So it's past 48 hours, yeah. which is scary in itself. Um, but her name is Madison Bell. Um, she went by Maddie, 18 years old. Uh, she was last seen leaving her residence on 517, and her mom really didn't know what she was wearing because her boyfriend was sleeping on the couch, and I guess Maddie just yelled out. Her mom was cleaning and said, hey, I'm going to go tan. I'll be back in a little bit. Right. And her mom is said that even when you know her daughter is in line at McDonald's. It's a long line, and you know how it is up here in town. Right. Sometimes you're in line for half a freaking yeah. hour. But, uh, you know, she'll text and say, hey, I'm going to be a little late. So this was totally unlike her. Um, you know, within an hour when she wasn't home, they tried to call her phone. She wouldn't answer. Um, but anyway... Her and the mother and the boyfriend took off looking for her car, thinking maybe she crashed. They were looking in the ditches. But her car was located in a parking lot. Um, It was a church parking lot. And this all happened in Greenfield, Ohio. Highland County. Highland County. Yeah. And uh, A couple of people had said they had seen a white four-door Nissan sedan with California plates in the church parking lot a few times that morning. And so they're having everybody on the lookout for that. But we're going to post this. Um, She is white. She is 5'7", 125 pounds, average build, brown hair, brown eyes, but she sometimes wears blue or gray contacts. So... 
we will post this on the uh, Facebook page and it should be up by tomorrow or the next yeah. day. So if you guys see that and you can share, that would be amazing. Yeah, share it out there. Yeah. So yeah, I hope I hope they find you know, I hope they find her. Yeah. So I couldn't even imagine what the yeah. family's going through. It's kind of ironic that her name's last name's Bell. I know. I know that is kind of crazy. <laughs> Whoa, that is a weird, odd coincidence. <laughs> I, I never even realized that. She's such now. a beautiful Ooh. girl. Yeah, too. she is. And she Whoa. was so excited because this week, you know how the graduations with the COVID is going now. Yeah. And I, I'm so she sick of saying that it. word. Senior skip day champions is what they're calling yeah. themselves now. And they are. Definitely. <laughs> right. Really. I think we have one. I don't day. know. That would that would suck though, man. Not yeah. getting to finish out your sports. I feel bad for the athletes that yeah. didn't get that, I can't imagine. Didn't man. get that senior year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so shout sports in, you know. Yeah. A shout out They'll to never all the twenty twenty grads. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, okay, on to our our podcast here so larry jean bell on friday may 31st 1985 year after i graduated sharon sherry Faye smith she went by sherry was abducted at her mailbox at approximately 3:25 p.m um her parents said she always checked the mail on that day her mother looked out the window of their house and seen sherry's car in the driveway at the end of the road by the mailbox she told her husband, Bob, that Sherry was home, and after a few minutes, the father looked out the window and saw that Sherry's car was still parked, you know, where they had last seen it. Yeah. Um, he became concerned, when, and you'll find out why, um, when his daughter didn't continue up the seven, um, 750-foot driveway, which is a pre- I don't know what ours is. We have a pretty long driveway, too, so I was trying to look at that and see if it had been about the... The same distance. It ain't no seven hundred. It ain't no seven hundred and fifty feet. So that's further than what ours is. Yeah, yeah. it's probably like, like maybe where your neighbors is behind. Driveways. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but our driveways only like the house, or, well your window. Yeah, well he he did have a visual of the car. I was just trying to think could he actually right. see if she was still in the car? Yeah. How far? I'm not real good right. with with distance like that. Anyway, um, so. He took, he got in the car, and um, when he didn't see no sight of her around the car at the mailbox, and took off down there, still didn't see her anywhere. The car was running, and the door of the driver's side was open. Her purse, her towel, and her shoes were in the car. Um, He also opened up her purse and saw that her medication was inside. Sherry had a rare form of diabetes that required her to drink large quantities of water and take her medication. And one thing was she never went anywhere without her medication. Right. Um, so he kind of, he freaked out, which of course he would. And he ran back to, or drove back to the house telling his wife that Sherry was gone and called uh, Lexington County Sheriff's, you know, reporting her missing. <clears throat> they responded immediately. Air teams were called as the emergency division of the governor's office set up a tractor trailer operation in front of the Smith home. So they took it pretty serious yeah. right away. And I think, you know, knowing that she had this rare disorder and her medicine to be in there, then right. something was going on. Um, so on Saturday, they received a phone call f- um, from a man saying he, he had Sherry and he wanted money. This 
but they found out later that that call was a hoax. Um, the police began checking out calls of sightings of suspicious vehicles in the area around the time of the incident. One call was from two males who had traveled on um, Platte Springs Road between 3 and 3.15 p.m. that Friday. As they passed, they saw Sherry at the mailbox and the car in the driveway. They remembered a car coming toward them going in the direction of the Smith driveway. And as the car passed, a witness glanced in his rearview mirror and saw the taillights light up. Um, and the car stopped at the mailbox. They reported um, it looked like an 82-84 Oldsmobile Cutlass, reddish-purple in color, and the driver looked to be in his 30s. Um, approximately 5 to 10 minutes later, the two males drove past the mailbox again, and they saw her car, but not her. Mm-hmm. So that, that was witnesses that they, they yeah. actually seen a car that How pulled up How old was there. she again? Uh, she she was young, was right? 17. seventeen or eighteen? Uh, eighties, yeah. Seventeen. 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 Yes. She was really pretty too. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Super blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Her sister was twenty-one. Yeah, her and older really, really blue eyes. So, um, that day, what had happened? The last people that saw her. Um, Sherry's boyfriend, Richard, had met her at the Lexington Post Office in downtown Lexington on Friday morning. This is South Carolina. Um, together, they met Sherry's mother at a Lexington bank around 11.15 a.m. to get traveler's checks for Sherry to take on her senior trip to the Bahamas after her graduation that Sunday. So, and that's even crazy, too, the similar... Her with her graduate, you know, yeah. Madison. Yeah, yeah that gave me chills. Yeah. I really never really put two and two together. That's really crazy. But anyway. Um, so after her mother left, Richard, Sherry, and her uh, their friend Brenda parked their cars in Lexington Town Square and uh, around 11.30 a.m. and rode together to a swimming party at Lake Murray just a few miles away. And they go in to say what she wore, which is important. <clears throat> Sherry was wearing a white baggy, uh, white baggy shorts, yellow tank top, over a yellow and black polka dot two-piece swimsuit. She had a, a beach bag packed with extra bathing suit towel, black jelly shoes. I'm trying to remember what back black in the '80s shoes. what the jelly shoes were, and I cannot. <laughs> I wanted to Google it, and I totally forgot. But anyway. So, uh, if you know, comment. Yes. Oh, hold on, I'll look them up. Yeah, look keep, it up, because I, I remember that, but I cannot remember what they look like. Um, and a white and black striped shirt that she had worn to school that day. She called her mother from the party around 2.30 p.m., and then shortly afterward, around 2.45, Sherry, Richard, and Brenda left the party and drove back to the shopping center um, to pick up their cars, Brenda left, and Sh- Richard and Sherry spent a few minutes together in the parking lot talking and, I'm sure, smooching, you know. <laughs> That's what we called it back in the 80s. No, I never called it that. <laughs> I really didn't. Oh, shoot. So, um, after necking. Oh, God. Yeah, they're necking. <laughs> they kissed goodbye and departed in separate cars. Richard followed Sherry to the point of Highway 1, um, heading toward home, and as he went past the bank clock in the parking lot, he noted the time at 3.05 p.m. 
So, yeah. <sighs> I know. That's the last any anybody's seen her. Um, on Sunday, June 2nd, Sherry was supposed to graduate from Lexington High School and was scheduled to sing the Star Spangled Banner with her classmates, um, classmate An- Andy and New. And, of course, that didn't happen. Right. And you'd think there'd be reason behind it, like if you had motive or something, too. There was no motive. No, this this dude was just a total... Whack. Whack job, asshole. I can... Even in, even in my Senseless. notes, I put in my own <laughs> words that I felt. Um... Yeah, you're getting ahead of... Hang on there. Raining in there. So this is where it starts getting really crazy. I was just thinking of the motive. Right, yeah. Uh, Dude, with this guy... No, but I mean like his choice to pick her. You know what I mean? Like, what was it that made him decide, let me grab her? Easy. But the thing is, and you'll learn... I mean, you know, he was pretty ballsy. Yeah. I mean, right in front of her house. I know. And, and, and where he took her. Yeah. Which we'll, I'm sure we'll yeah. get to. So it's kind of crazy. On the, I think the shoes were just like like rubber. Like just gel, like gel shoes. Let me see. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the jelly shoes. That was a big thing oh, back I in the 80s. Oh, I remember those. I've had those. I've had those when I was little. Yeah. These were big in the You 80s. never had none of that? You never, you never <laughs> wore none of those? I never wore any of them. No, they didn't have no, uh, what, what was it, Mellies? Some man jellies? <laughs> Dude, that might be a million dollar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cut, cut that. Nah, it's... I know. All right, let's we get back. We time for that shit. This is kind of a long one, so let's get back here. So this is where it starts getting crazy. On Monday morning, June 3rd, a phone call came into the Smith house around... Tw- um, 2.20 a.m., informing them that they would be getting a letter in the mail today from Sherry around 1 or 2 o'clock. That was the usual time the Smith's mail was delivered. So think about that. This this dude, he knew a lot. Right. Um, About the family. Right, and had been watching, clearly. Yeah, it, it makes you wonder. Right. Um, the mail caller's voice sounded muffled and, and disguised, he told Miss Smith that he wanted to give them some information and tell them certain things so that they knew this was coming from Sherry and that the call was not a hoax. The caller described in detail the outfit that Sherry was wearing when Miss Smith last saw her at the bank. He told them at the top of the letter would be 6185, the date, and the time would be 310 a.m. He said it had really been 312 a.m., but he had rounded it off. Um, he ended with, they are looking in the wrong place. Oh, there goes our alarm system. Um, they are looking in the wrong place. Tell Sheriff Metz to get on TV at 7 a.m. on Channel 10 and call off the search. Okay, well, first of all, a phone call like that yeah. would, I would be flipping the hell out. So I get props. Yeah, to the I wouldn't Smith be able family. to be calm. I'd be yeah. fucking wigging out. And they're they're very Christian. Yeah. Listen here, motherfucker! Oh, dude. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> 
I I mean, some of these phone calls, and I've got the transcripts. Well, you got to think about it this no, way, No, but to be smart. You're not in control to get your, with that yeah. moment. Yeah. To get my kid back, yeah. you know what I mean? You'd but, have to be. Yeah, everybody's got the, that Yeah. Feeling. I'd be throwing up every time I hung up the phone, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just couldn't imagine. <laughs> so... By now, I mean, they, they realize that this guy is the one that definitely had Sherry because he knew what she had been wearing um, in different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, no ransom demands were made, so money did not appear to be the issue. Uh, the call was not recorded, but Miss Smith took notes as the man talked. Uh, the call was traced, and you got to think, this is 85. Right. 1985. So what they can do now compared to what they could do then... It's really different. Right. But the paying any cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. The call was traced through all tell telephone records to a payphone outside of Taylor's store on Highway 378, about five miles outside of Lexington and 12 miles from the Smith home. Can you imagine knowing that the guy that has your daughter is 12 miles away? I know. Or was 12 miles away. Um, Yeah. Which means he's close and she's close, and you have to think about that. Yeah, they didn't know that for a little while. Right. The caller was, well, what? Well, it was hard to trace him. You had to no, keep somebody they, on the phone for more than 15 minutes to get a good trace. Well, yeah. they end up, the, the call was. And he knew that, too. Yeah. Right. They said he was smart. About yeah, he was getting off the phone. He was an electrician. Yeah. He's an electrician. The caller was gone by the time the officers arrived. The telephone was processed for prints, but none were found. Um, so the letter that he said was coming, um, which will give you chills. The police intercepted the letter at the post office, but had Sherry's father take the, the, um, delivery of the letter. The letter was in a legal sized envelope addressed to the Smiths with a Mallard duck stamp. That's important. So remember that with a Mallard duck stamp in the right upper hand corner, um, inside the envelope was the letter titled Last Will and Testament. And that still gives me chills every time I read it, every time I say it. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine getting that from your child or loved one? Yeah. Not even your child. Um, um, it was dated at the top where he said 6185 at 310 a.m. They compared the handwriting and the letter to a copy of Sherry's handwriting, and it positively matched. She is the one that wrote this. In Sherry's last will and testament, um, she wrote that she loved them, that her family had been the greatest influence of her life. She wrote, my thoughts will always be with you, dot, 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 um, bracket, closed casket, casket, bracket. And then continues on saying, I love you also damn much. Sorry, Dad, I had to cuss for once. (laughs) She apologized about the cruise and said someone should go in her place. She also said, please don't become hard or upset. Everything works out for the good for those who love the Lord. There were smiley faces on the letter as well as God is love written on one side. Um, There's... The actual letter, you can actually find that online. Mm-hmm. We'll put it on the page, it. too. Yeah. Um, it was kind of hard for me to to read everything, so I picked out. Right. You know, the closed casket thing just. Yeah. 
Holy well, she crap. wasn't afraid to die, though. She was like, yeah, sad. Can you imagine having to write that letter? He, yeah. this is all, that's all coming from him, though. Right. I mean, I know if well, you were a devout Christian, it. then, but she had to have been terrified. Yeah, of course. You know, 17 years But she years knew old. she was going to heaven. Yeah, exactly. So, another phone line was set up for incoming and outcoming calls at the Smith home. Also, a recording device was installed on their personal phone line. That Monday afternoon, June 3rd, at um, 3.08 p.m., a second call came into the Smith home. Their oldest daughter, Dawn, answered. Um, the caller asked for Miss Smith, and Dawn asked if she could ask who was calling, and he said no. So, she got her mom on the phone. The man asked if they had received the mail, and Miss Smith said that they had. Then he replied, do you believe me now? Um, her mother replied, well, I'm not really sure I believe you because I haven't had any word from Sherry, and I need to know that she is well. His reply was, you will know in two to three days. I mean, this guy's a dick. I mean, doing that to a family. Yeah. Fucking I, wacko. Yeah. Um, he only responded replied to that literal with, mental torture yeah yeah exactly so his reply to that um or he respond and she she said why then wait a minute i'm i've lost my place okay you'll know in two or three days and then she replied why then but he didn't answer that he just said call off the search uh, Miss Smith said, tell me if she is well because of her disease. Are you taking care of her? And then at that point, the line went dead. So there's things back and forth that he says that he knew about her disease. And then he goes back and forth saying he didn't know about the disease. and He's just whack. Yeah. Um, this call was traced to an outside pay station at Eckerd's Pharmacy in Lexington, Town Square Shopping Center, which is where she had met her mom the yeah. day she was abducted, which was about seven miles from the Smith home. Again, the caller was gone and no evidence was found. Um, so later that Monday afternoon, they appeared in front of uh, their home and spoke to reporters for the first time, hoping uh, to show their pain and suffering to draw the abductor out. They pleaded for her return, but it didn't work. So we, I watched, we all watched the uh, forensic files. Mm -hmm. And uh, what else? You guys watched um, something else about that too, didn't you? Yeah, it was just a couple small, like eight, ten minute clips. Yeah, there wasn't, there's more online written yeah. than there actually was to watch. Mm -hmm. um, but... I'm not going, you can find all the transcripts of the phone calls. I am going to read one or two real quick mm -hmm. so you can yeah, just hear. Yeah, the phone calls are deranged. Man, yeah. the phone calls are whacked. Yeah. Um, so this, the search has continued. All possible leads that, leads that came in were checked out. Um, a call was received by a uh, woman who, from a woman who reportedly saw the car near the Smiths that day. She gave a physical description of the driver, white male, clean-shaven, receding thin hairline, um, slightly balding. Her description of the car corresponded with the two men who early, earlier gave the description to the police. 
So that's two, or actually two males and the female that gave the same description of the car. Right. So they pretty much had the description. Right. Um, so on Monday night, about 8, 8.07 p.m., the phone rang again at the Smith house and Don answered. Um, the man asked, Don, did you come from Charlotte? Yes, I did. Who is calling? Um, I need to speak with your mother. Don says, okay, she's coming. He, he responded, tell her to hurry. And she said, she's hurrying. Tell Sherry I love her. And then he asked, did you all receive her letter today? She responded with, yes, we did. Here's mother. Um, and her mom got on the phone and said, this is Hilda, Hilda. And he asked, did you receive Sherry Ray's letter? Pardon? Did I hear you? It's not very clear. Speak louder. And what they're trying to do is keep him on the phone for as long as possible. Right. Um, and he, he said, did you receive the letter today? She said, yes, I did. Tell me one thing it said. Hurry. And she replied, Char Richard. Do what? There was a little heart on the side. Char Richard was written on the side. And do you guys remember seeing that? I there think was a so. bunch of little yeah. things that they yeah. put on on there. Yeah. Um, he asked how many pages. She responded two pages, and he said okay. And it was yellow legal pad. She responded yes. And on the side of the front page, it said Jesus is love, and she responded no. God is love. And then he said, well, God is love. This guy's a nut job. Can you imagine talking to your whoever's a doctor and just murder like a yeah um and she said yes i know that and um he said okay so now this is not a hoax you know this is not a hoax call which once you if you go back and you read all the phone calls that is one of the main things that he always says he wants to make sure that they know that he is the one and it's you know not a hoax like call. Like it gives him some yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. And I did notice that throughout all the power. calls. He yeah. Power. Um, He says, I'm trying to do everything possible to answer some of your prayers. So please, in the name of God, work with us here. So he's talking about him and Sherry. And uh, her mother responded, can you please answer me one question? You are very kind. Ugh. And you seem to be a compassionate person. Bullshit. And I think you know how I feel being Sherry's mother and how I love her. Um, Can you tell me, is she all right physically without her medication? So he replies, Sherry is drinking a little over two gallons of water per hour and using the bathroom right after. I've got to hurry now. Okay, now. This has gone too far. Please forgive me. Have an ambulance ready at any time at your house. And on Sherry's request, she requests that only immediate family come and Sheriff Metz and the ambulance attendants. That's it. She don't want to make a circus out of this. And her mom responds, oh, right, okay. Um, and where she said, cast it, and he, he says, and where she said, cast it, Casket closed. Why can't I say that word? <laughs> Casket closed in parentheses. If anything happens to me, she said her, 
one of her requests she did not put in there was to put her hands on her stomach, cross her hands like she was praying in the casket. And that's just... The fact that he te- still tells them this stuff. Like, yes. And you yeah, were man. sitting there listening to this shit and trying to be calm because you want him caught and you can't say what you really want to say. Um, oh, my God. And she replies, we don't want any harm to you, I promise. I just want Sherry well and all right, okay? He responded, okay, okay, listen. Listen real carefully. I've got to hurry. I know these calls are being traced, correct? Okay, now listen. Listen to the dog's bark. (laughs) Um, No, he didn't say that. Uh, Is Sherry with you or can you tell me that? He says, I will not say. Okay, now listen to us, please. You're looking in the wrong place. Forget Lexington County. Look in, um, I don't want to say this wrong. Sedalia? Is that how you say that? I'll get a bunch of people saying. Saluda. Saluda County. (laughs) Do you understand? And she she repeated, look in Saluda. Exactly. Uh, Closest to... Lexington County within 15 mile radius right over the line. Is that understood? She responded yes. Um, and the call just goes on and on. Um, you know, he says the one thing that he says that really got to me, and then I knew, and I think you guys will. He says, I want to tell you one other thing. Sherry is now a part of me physically, mentally, and emotionally, as well as sp- spiritually. Our souls are now one. That's so what makes me that, think of right. the necrophiliac stuff that I've read about. Yeah. I For him to say that, and I, it's an emotional attachment to something after it's dead. Mm-hmm. Sexually and emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just, uh, yeah. Fucking whack. And he, uh, and the call saying Sherry's protected and... Like I said, she is a part of me now. God looks after all of us. Good night. I mean, that was it. Again, the call was traced. This was eight miles from the Smith home. And again, he was long gone and no evidence was left behind. There was another phone call. um, And this one was traced and it was pretty much the same kind of crazy stuff. Um, and this was traced to a phone booth outside of a fast fare store at Jake's Landing on Highway 6 near Lake Murray, which is about nine miles from the Smith home. And once again, the caller disappeared with no evidence. And actually, they began a manhunt around that area. Roadblocks were set up um, by the sides of Lake Murray Dam, but he was long gone. So, this one, uh, the phone call that comes in, and as this is all going on, they're just doing searches and everything like that. So, five days later, after Sherry's abduction, Wednesday, June 5th at 11.54 a.m., a call came in abruptly to the Smith home. Sherry's mother answered, and uh, my candle just went off. This one, he says, she answers the phone, hello. He says, listen carefully. Take Highway 378 west to Traffic Circle. Take 
Prosperity exit, go one mile and a half miles, turn right at the sign, Masonic Lodge 103, go one quarter mile, turn left at the white frame building, go to the backyard, six feet beyond, we're waiting, God chose us. And that was it. And that was where they found Sherry's body. Messed up. And she was pretty decomposed. Like, she had only been dead for... <clears throat> they pretty much said she was dead 12 hours after she was captured. Yeah they, yeah. yeah. they figured that she had been... So he was dead. She was dead the first time he called. Yeah. She was already dead when yeah. he yeah. called to her parents. And, the, yeah, the she crime scene dead. went, found her. She And it was like 100 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, it was hot. August or July. And yeah, yeah. what June for school graduation. Right. Mm -hmm. So really quick, the cause of death could not be determined with exact medical certainty because of the number of variables. One, the fact that the body was found in an extreme hot area that she had been for at least three to four days, which produced um, decomposition that destroyed much of the evidence needed to determine the cause of death and a more, uh, more precise time of death. Um, the deceased had a medical condition, which would have led to death in one or two days if she was unable to drink sufficient fluids or take her medication. And three, the autopsy findings of um, asphyxia are the more general type that could be produced by other conditions. The findings present at the autopsy would fit with a number of causes of death. The two most likely causes extreme dehydration, which is with associated electrolyte imbalance causing cardiac arrest and asphyxia due to soft ligature strangulation or smothering. It is therefore, and this is the forensic mm-hmm. um, guy talking, um, it is therefore my opinion in light of history of the case and postmortem and autopsy findings, the cause of death best left undetermined. But as far as the manner of death, since the death occurred during abduction, the manner of death will still be homicide, regardless of whether it is due to depriving the deceased of water or from some type of homicidal asphyxia. So now they're afraid that he's going to do it again. Um. And they still don't know where he's at. And they, yeah, they. Yeah. Well, they think it's his sister or her sister. Remember. Mm-hmm. Is the next one? Yeah. Oh. Next well, yeah. what? Yeah. Because he call. He keeps calling them. Well, th- this next phone call that he actually does was on the morning of June six. He called a senior investigative reporter at a local TV station, um, Charlie Keys. And he told Charlie that he was going to turn himself in and wanted the reporter to be with Sheriff Metz. He had something with Metz, too. Yeah. Because he he always brought him up. Right. Always wanted him wherever. Right. And I think that was another control thing. Right. Um, But he's saying that he's going to um, call the sheriff's home. He even gave the sheriff's phone number um, and told the reporter he wanted to him to answer, but he wanted the reporter to reconfirm the phone number over the TV to make sure he had it right. So, I mean, he... When I was reading through all this stuff, it was like... Some of it was kind of confusing 
And I think he was a little confused himself about what he exactly... He wanted right. everything done a certain way. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, that was right. the power. He, I, he probably liked having that power. Yeah. To be able to make yeah. anybody do what he wanted to do. Right. Knowing that they would yeah. or didn't have would. a choice. Yeah. Right. Here. Exactly. Out of being... Out of, and being scared. Yeah. He liked scaring people. Yeah. Scared, like that mental torture. Right. So he, he mm-hmm. wanted the report porter to announce to the viewers that if they had any, any information on Sherry to call Sheriff Matt's home at 7 o'clock that night. But, you know, this Charlie guy's like, I can't put his phone. I can't put his, per- you know, his home phone number on there. Um, but... Bell also told him, the adductor also told him he wanted the uh, Sherry's priest from Lexington Baptist to be there, to be present also. What? He told, yeah, he told the reporter that things just went bad with Sherry. It was a mistake and went too far. He also said he wanted to be taken alive and um, you will be the only reporter. I don't want to make a circus out of this. And he said he would give Charlie an exclusive interview about the abduction of Sherry. If he did all this, he ended the call saying, God bless us all. He did that a lot. Mm hmm. He thought he thought he was Jesus. Yeah. The son of God is what he thought. What, what probably later with came the out power the and the control that he was having. Yeah. Of drugs. <laughs> yeah. So um, at eight. Uh, 57 p.m. that same evening, the Smith family's phone rang again. The, now, this is this is really bad. Um, it was a collect call for Don, her older sister. And um, he informed Don that he was turning himself in the next morning. He said that Sherry asked him to turn himself in on the fifth day after they found her. Which, you know, that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Um, he said that he needed to get himself straight with God. He then told her that he um, had sent her and the reporter, Charlie Keyes, a letter with pictures of Sherry. He proceeded to tell her he was going to kill himself. Now, as a Christian, and and from what I've read, that the Smith family was very devout Christians. Yeah. But I think they also wanted to see him get his due. Yeah. So, you know, she pretty much, you know... um, told him that she didn't want him to kill himself and he you know was responding with he couldn't live in prison for the rest of his life or go to the electric chair and he was an electrician too um he then told don that sherry didn't cry the entire time she was very strong and she didn't want to ruin their lives he said that he had never lied to the family and that everything that he said was true he also told sherry um that sherry he also told her that Sherry knew that she was going to be an angel and wasn't afraid. He said that Sherry told him that she would forgive him and that she would see him in heaven. I mean, I, I call bullshit on all that. This <laughs> guy's an asshole. Um, he told her that Sherry wanted her hands folded. On, and he repeats what, you know, because the funeral hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, folded on her stomach like she was praying and as her last will and testament stated, she wanted the casket closed. <laughs> he, I was laughing because I, I got casket outright. He told Don to take care of the gold necklace Sherry had on as well and the one earring that was left in her ear. Um, 
He said that Sherry did not want Richard, her boyfriend, to have the necklace. That's another bullshit. Why yeah. would why would Sherry tell her abductor? Yeah. Tell them I don't want my boyfriend to have my necklace. <laughs> yeah, there's Come no way. On, man. Right? And I have in all caps piece of shit. Yes, yeah, that's my is. own note. Um <laughs> it, it just some yeah. of this really pissed me off. He then asked Don if she could handle it if he told her how she died. And he continued to tell Don to be strong. He said that Sherry told him all about her family. He also said that he was a family friend. Huh. Um, and that he felt that that was the sad part of all of this and why he couldn't face them. So wait, did they ever admit to knowing him? No. So he no. was just talking and out his ass. on down the road, Don kind of gets... Uh, she gets strong. Yeah. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Yeah, she, she kind of calls him out on a lot of this. Um, he said that if he, uh, he said that he tied her to the bedpost with the electric cord. She didn't cry or struggle. Bullshit. He said that Sherry let him duct tape and wrap it around her head and suffocate her. He said to tell the coroner or get the information out of how she really died. He said that he was unaware of her disease. So he contradicts himself. Yeah. He knew about her disease and said that he made her drink all that water right. and all that stuff. Well, um, she was already dead. He, she was already yeah. dead. He said that he, uh, oh, wait a minute. He said that um, he had known he probably wouldn't have taken her if he would have known about her disease. Again. Um, he said it just got out of hand. And he said that he was there the Saturday morning of the search. So he was part of the search. And that's a big thing that I've learned with doing this, mm -hmm. that a lot of these killers and stuff will involve their self in this kind of stuff, you know, on the yeah. searches and right. everything. Um, I wonder if he was really there, though. Who knows? The guy's a big-ass liar yeah. anyway. I don't know. It's just, uh, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, he kept saying that he wished that the fam, the Smith family could help him. Don said that they forgave him. And then I wrote, ugh, cause ugh, just even say that, Yeah. you know, for her to even have to say that to him. She did ask if, um, when he killed her, if Sherry was at peace, he said, yes, that God was with her. Don then asked um, sh if Sherry wrote the letter of her own free will, and he replied with, well, she sure did. He said that he gave her a choice to either shoot her, give her, he gave her a choice of either shooting her, giving her a drug overdose, or suffocation. Don asked him why he had to kill Sherry. He said again, it got out of hand, he got scared, but he needed to make it right so he wouldn't go to hell. Which is where he's at right now. Yeah. What the fuck, man? You sit whack. Dude, it just gives me chills. This whole yeah. time I'm talking, I get little goosebumps because it's just, it's, it's cruel what he put this family through. Yeah. There's a little video of him on um, when he was in court. Yeah, there sentenced. is. Yeah, he's a whack job. Oh, he was, he was a weird looking fucker, man. Yeah, and they yeah. said. I mean, you, you could look at him and be like, yeah, this dude's fucking whacked. 
that he would be growing facial hair and everything after he killed her too, and he ended up having a bunch of facial hair too and stuff, didn't he? Didn't he have yeah. a beard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The so the following evening after that was Sherry's visita- visitation, um, and the police had asked Don to more or less be a pawn, um, bait to try to kill or to try to kill. To try to catch the killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, since he seemed to be, you know, liking her. Interested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they told her to pick something of Sherry's to lay at the grave. Um, they strongly felt that the killer would attend the funeral. And they wanted to try to trap him. Um So, in the, I didn't know this, but uh, someone at one point yelled out from the hundreds of graveside mourners, I'm sorry for this. I think you're here. I love you and will not hurt you. Come forward right now. Which was really dumb because it was like filled with cops. Maybe they, I guess they didn't know it. But the Smiths were rushed away within seconds. The man that yelled, was surrounded by officers and probably taken down and cuffed and <laughs> a few elbows and this and that. Um, after the hours of extensive questioning of the man, it turned out he was just a concerned citizen who believed he could talk to the killer and give himself up. I mean, my God, this poor family. I just wanted him to come out. Jeez. <sighs> so... More phone calls came that afternoon um, of the funeral, 2.21 p.m. <sighs> and the operator says, I have a collect call from Sherry. Will you pay for the call? Of all names to choose. And, well, he's, yeah, he's doing that because he's an asshole. And then she said, from who? And the operator said, Sherry. And she replied, Yes. So that call pretty much consisted of him stating that they would receive three letters addressed to them in Sherry's handwriting. Um, Don did ask about Sherry's class ring, and that was something that she always wore, mm-hmm. and it was missing. Um, it wasn't in her purse, in the car. Um, and Don asked, you know... He probably if, kept it, because yeah. they like to keep a trophy or whatever. Well, he, he said he didn't, and oh. also the le- the other earring was missing, so you, I'm sure he had that also. Did you, what was she found in? She was found in the clothes that her mom seen last seen her. So she, she had the clothing on, um, but the earring was missing, and then they can't find her class ring, and they really, really wanted that class right. ring. Um. He said if he had had it, he would have sent it like he sent everything else, which I don't understand what, I mean, he didn't really, he just sent her last will and testament at this point. Yeah. Um, Don then asked him the question, where did Sherry die? He kept saying Lexington County, but then when Don persisted, he said, uh, number one, I don't know exactly the, the location, I don't know the name of the highway, 391 or something like that. But right next to um, the county line, that's all I can tell you. He then told Don to set her alarm for 4.58 a.m. and that he would call next Saturday on the anniversary date. 
and tell her the exact location. He then hung up. The call again was traced 60 miles from the Smith home. No killer and no evidence. So that call never came, and they thought he made good on, you know, killing himself. Yeah. And um, so, unfortunately, on June 14th at 4.07, about 25 miles from the Smith home, in exactly two weeks, almost to the hour that Sherry was abducted, it happened again. Nine-year-old Deborah May Hemlick uh, was playing outside her home with her little brother and sister. A silver-gray car with red racing stripes stopped in front of the trailer where the kids were playing. But four trailers down and across from um, Deborah May's uh, trailer was Ricky Morgan, who was in the kitchen. Uh, he was mixing up some orange juice. And he didn't have his air conditioner running, and he had his windows open. He glanced out the window in time to see a white male get out of the driver's side of the car and grab Deborah May around the waist from the back and then took off running to his car. (sighs) He yelled for the father. The kids started screaming. The little boy, her little brother, was like... Sorry about that. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Okay. And uh, so they gave chase, but it was too late. Ricky described the man as a white male, 30 to 35, 5'9", with a beer belly, closely cropped brown beard and mustache and brown receding hairline. So they finally had somewhat of a description by now. Yeah, because the receding hairline and the age, you know, things are starting to add up a little bit. They're... And actually, from the kids, they had a sketch artist. And there's pictures on the And it actually looks internet. like him. Yeah. So, eight days after Deborah May's abduction and 30 miles from the Smith home, the Smith's phone rang again at 12.17 a.m. Saturday, June 22nd. It, is, it had been 14 days since Sherry's abductor and murderer had called. Uh, once again, uh, the operator came on the line saying, I have a collect call from Sherry Faye Smith. Um, And Don replies, yes, I'll take the call. He's on the line, says, thank you, Don. You know this isn't a hoax. What? This dude's whacked. Oh, yeah, he's an idiot. He's an asshole. Um, You know this isn't a hoax, correct? Uh, Did you find Sherry Faye's ring? He just wants to keep saying that for some reason. And she said no. He said, okay, I don't know where it is. You know that God wants you to join Sherry Fay. It's just a matter of time. This month, next month, this year, next year, you can't be protected all the time. And you know, have you heard about Deborah May? And I wrote, bastard. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She replied, no. He said, the 10-year-old. And then she said, Richland County. He said, yeah. Go one north, well, Bill's Grill, go three and a half miles through Gilbert, turn right, last dirt road before you come to a stop sign at Two Notch Road, go through the chain and no trespassing sign, go 50 yards, Deborah May is waiting, God forgive us all. So fucked up. So he's given directions to her. She replies, hey, listen. He said, what? 
She said, just out of curiosity, how old are you? He replied, Don E., your time is near. God forgive us and protect us all. Good night now, Don E. Smith. And she said, wait, what happened to the pictures you were going to send? And he replied, the FBI must still have, must have them. She said, no, sir, because when they have something, we get it. Are you going to send them? I think you're jerking me around because you said they were coming and they're not here. He says, Don E. Smith, I must go. Ugh, that just, can you imagine some creepy ass saying that shit to you? Um, what does that even mean? Don E. Smith. That's her name. That's her name. Don E. is her initial oh, okay. and Smith. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's late. It's, it's late. late around it's, here. It okay. is very late. Um, Get with the program. And. Literally. She says, listen, you said you were going to get it, and you did not give me the photos. He said, good night, Don. I'll talk to you later. He hung up. The call again was traced 50 miles from the Smith home. No killer, no evidence. As with uh, when the crimes... I think they would put some cameras up at these freaking pay phones by now. Well, shit. And back then, (laughs) it's the 80s. There's freaking pay phones everywhere. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, he needed to fucking use a pay phone. Yeah. Well, they said he knew, like, he could, like, almost sense when he's been on the phone too long. Yeah, he was probably timing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he knew that it was being traced and listened to. As soon as he hung up, he was gone. Um, as with Sherry, the crime scene investigators arrived to the directions Bell gave Dawn, and they found Deborah May. Suffocation was a prime uh, possibility as cause of death. Um, and it kind of goes on and on, but you can get the gist. It's pretty much the same as what happened with Sherry. Uh, and Deborah May's family did not have a phone. Really? But even if they did have a phone, in my mind, I think he had an attraction to Don and would he was just still tormenting them. The blue-eyed, blonde hair, because Deborah May was yeah. blue-eyed, yeah. blonde hair, too. And yeah, it was just the age difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought you were getting ready to say something. No, I won't yet. Oh, okay. Uh, the Smith family did attend Deborah May, May's funeral, even though they had never met the family, but they actually had a you know, a connection. Um, well, the police knew right off the bat they figured they were dealing with the same guy just by the way it all looked before. Oh, yeah, they did. They yeah. knew before he said anything to Don. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just, I can't imagine. And, you know, like in Ohio right now, all these missing cases are coming up. Yeah. 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 Start carrying mace around, dude. It's getting bad around her. Seriously. I got my concealed carry, so. And I ain't afraid to use it. (laughs) At all. It had been 27 days since Sherry's abduction um, and 13 days since Deborah May's abduction abduction and it finally ended um an investigative team and this is pretty cool how they called him yeah it was cool how they, how they got him so the legal pad um 
that she had wrote her last will and testament and they ended up kind of okay so the way i figured it in my brain that <laughs> scary sometimes you know how you can um like if you've got a pad or something and you write something down the pressure indentions yeah. and then yeah the indentions kind of like when you do um what is it called when you go to the uh cemetery and you do the pencil over the yeah pencil over yeah well i mean it's more high tech right. than that what they it's did it's a good way to explain it though but they ended up finding a phone number and they got all the numbers but the last one so they went through and um they placed a call to the num a number in alabama and asked the party if they knew anyone in South Carolina. And they said, yes, my mother and father live in, um, how do you say that? Sal? Uh, Saluda. Saluda, why? Casket <laughs> and Saluda. I'm Saluda. having a really hard time with today. Um, and he said, yes, my uh, mother and father, Ellis and Sharon Shepard. Quickly, authorities zoomed in on the Shepherds, and Wednesday evening, June 26, they established contact with the couple. Almost instantly, the authorities knew that this happily married couple in their 40s were no part of this, these horrendous crimes. Well, they are on vacation. Right. Yeah. They weren't even there. Right. Guess who was watching the house? Yeah, exactly. Larry fucking Bell. Yep. And uh, and how many miles well, away they, was they, he? They brought his name up, didn't they? Didn't, didn't he bring up his um, name? The shepherds broke, spoke freely and openly, telling the officers, "We travel and are away from home a lot. So when we are away, we have a house sitter, dun dun dun, um, who stays at our house. His name is Larry Jean Bell." <laughs> Bell, piece of Bell, crap, bitch, bitch, um, you fried, you fucking fried. They they ask him about Crispy. Larry. <laughs> they ask him about Larry Jean Bell. Um, they describe <laughs> Bell as thirty six years old, white male, five foot ten, with a um, sort of flabby belly, ruddy complexion, reddish brown hair, short and close crop beard. And mustache. He weighed approximately 180 pounds, um, but the couple said that he had lost some weight while they were gone the last time. Well, the guy said all he wanted to talk about was them two girls when they got, yep. yeah. got picked up from the airport. Yep. Um, so they pretty much ended up finding their man, and that's how they found him. Yeah, they figured out where he was from there. Probably wasn't too hard once they had his actual name. Right. I mean... Yeah, they found some blonde hairs and some other shit. And they found the duck, the duck houses. stamp. The duck stamp. Yep. Yeah. He used their grocery list. Because they actually found the list that was on in the that house that off. he moved, that he ripped off or whatever. And she wrote her The fact that she was there, and, and it wasn't very far from... The house that she lived at. I'd have to move out of that fucking house. I'd be like, dude, what? We'd have to move out. We couldn't. I couldn't live in there. And that bed, the she was what tied. She was tied to that bed. 
I don't know. There was a bed that they yeah. said she was tied to in there before he moved her. Yeah. But yeah, I couldn't live in that house no more. I'd be like, shit, we gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Bad juju in this house. I'll tell you what, man. So his sentencing was. Well, in February, um, okay, so. Well, a little bit about him, real quick. Because we. So let's give him back to the sheriff for a minute. Mm -hmm. Didn't he have some other charges? Previous charges? Yeah. Well, he was. So that was probably his deal with the sheriff. It was probably that sheriff. Probably. Busted him. Larry Jean Bell was. Yeah, he was born in Ralph, Alabama, and had three sisters and one brother. Uh, they reportedly moved a lot, um, and he joined the Marines in 1970, but was discharged the same year due to a knee injury suffered when he accidentally shot himself while cleaning his gun. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> Shame. Too bad he didn't shoot, shoot up. Um, you yeah, know, I shouldn't say that, but yeah, I should. People be alive if he did. The following year, he worked as a correctional officer at the Department of Corrections in Columbia for about a month. And the fact that he worked as a correctional officer. Mm-hmm. He was also, and I could not find a lot about this, he's also suspected of killing um, someone else. A 23-year-old. Hmm. I don't know where it's at. But anyway, he was suspected of killing someone else. He also was in trouble for assault yeah. against some guy. I mean, so he wasn't, you know, the best citizen or whatever. Right. But uh, they said during, he did everything that he possibly, you know, what What really pissed me off was he put the family through, oh, I'm going to turn myself in. Right. This and that. And then when the trial comes... Which it was a long ordeal. I think they ended up having to move it out of that county. Um, and the thing with her wanting to know where he killed Sherry, yeah, is because it was two different police district things. Right. So they really needed wanted to know right. where he was going to be uh, prosecuted or whatever. Right. Um, but. They said that he was just really whacked out, you know, during the trial, saying crazy stuff. Um, During the investigation, when they brought him in to investigate him and stuff in the interrogation room, I mean, he never gave him real anything, you know, he just, they never got anything out of it. Right. Hours and hours and hours. He would just talk in circles, you know. Probably on purpose to make mm-hmm. himself look crazier than what he really was. Right. But... He was a crazy looking dude. Yeah, he was a bit interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'll say interesting. I don't know. It's just... It, it was a sad one. I mean... I don't know. But yeah, that was some lucky numbers for them to actually crack the case that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, that's Larry. They're lucky they only had to figure one of them out. You know, for all his saying that he didn't want to be in prison or he didn't want to 
uh, you know, be put in the chair. I believe the chair that he was put into was called Old Sparky. <laughs> I do. Sparky. I think that's what it was. That's I think he was the last awesome. one to be executed. That's fucking awesome. I know a couple people that need to go see Old Sparky. Oh God. But you know, somebody that uses, I just have no stomach for people who use God to do shitty things. Yeah. Or kids, or animals. Yeah. That's my three big pet peeves. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely burned though. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, so that is. I know, and he got it twice. Like, how do they get it? How do you get the electric? Get the electric chair. Yeah, because he had to get sentenced twice. But like, no, they hit said him they- again. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Is he dead? Yeah. Oh, he's got one more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he got sentenced already. He's got to get hit again. Yeah. Hell yeah, we're we hitting you. Well, he was the last. He was the last one. Terrible uh, Sparky. <laughs> he was the last one to ever get the death. Ever yeah. get the chair in South Carolina? Yeah. yeah. So okay, so this is. I wanted to find this. I found it. Bell was also suspected of a third killing, that of San Sandy Elaine Cornett, a 26-year-old insurance adjuster and part-time model from Charlotte, North Carolina. He, de- he denied abducting and killing her, but teased investigators with description of where Cornette's body, um, but police never found her. And then Bell's lawyers had argued in appeals that the former electrician um, was too mentally ill to be executed. See, really? and that's probably what he was trying to do when yeah, he was yeah. talking in circles and stuff. Yeah. yeah. He was smart. Mental. You're smart enough to go to a new payphone every time. Right if if you're smart enough to be an electrician, you know you're you're capable. Well, mental health experts and Bell's lawyers had said he was schizophrenic. No shit. Believed he was Jesus and wanted to die in an electric chair because he saw it as a direct path to heaven and God's throne. There you go, buddy. Yeah, you got what you asked for, but you're... (laughs) I can't remember where I read that, but I did read that. That it was old Sparky. Have a seat, old Sparky. Jesus. He didn't have any last words either, as far as... No, he didn't. Um, Yeah. God rest their souls, though. But he was the last death row inmate in South Carolina um, executed... In the, um... Old Sparky. <laughs> yeah. Where did I see that? I did see that, though. So that's hit him one more time! <laughs> the last one! Just hit yeah. it again! We don't even get to use this thing anymore. Give old Sparky a good one. <laughs> we'll be putting pictures and stuff up on Facebook of previous podcasts, too. We're gonna catch up on that and get you guys caught up. Yeah, it's been a little cray-cray around here, but I think everybody's been... You know, everybody's doing good. Back to work, and yeah, they've opened up Ohio a little bit more, and hopefully, you guys are healthy and get out there. Yeah, don't be afraid. Like, subscribe, uh, share, find us on Facebook, Anchor, YouTube, Budsprout, iTunes, Spotify. Should I go on? (laughs) We're on a lot of outlets. Yeah, and if you want to see something really creepy. Go to my Facebook page and uh, 
Look at the picture of the fire I posted and tell me what you think because that shit was deranged. That scared the crap out of me. Yeah, it was pretty messed yeah, up. Yeah, it's pre- a it's pretty wild photo, so go check it out. Yeah. All, right, All right, guys. guys. Yeah. <laughs> that Jinx. was crazy. I know. From See the eighth, Deranged ninth, Nation. 1980s. Nation. Jinx. You've been listening to the Deranged Nation podcast. Join us every Wednesday night for a new episode as we bring you true crime, unsolved mysteries, and other deranged stories. This episode was sponsored by Braps MX and ATV Pro Shop. Visit them at brapsmx.pro. Also, visit our host, TeresaGableman.com, New York Times bestselling paranormal romance author of the Protector series, available on Amazon.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.